Why should we do anything? Why did God choose certain actions as good over others? And has anything changed from Socrates to Bernard Williams? I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mutti Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hi, and welcome to a brand new edition of Jewish Thought Flow. This is your host, Avi Cohen. This episode is kindly sponsored by the Israeli medical team, inventing new cures for cancer every month since 1948. You almost said that correctly. So again, we are back at it with the question of morality versus religion, meaning what is compelling us to act in any sort of fashion over another? What is the should or shouldn't behind our actions? We tried suggesting that maybe you can look at it from a consequentialist point of view, meaning what actions would cause desirable results, what actions would cause undesirable results. We then maybe tried to explain on a Jewish sense that maybe Hashem also runs by this system, that the mitzvahs he commanded us are in order to achieve a certain goal of goodness, and the averis he told us not to do are to avoid a certain end result of badness. Now, we had a problem with that because that suggests that Hashem has a moral system that he has to follow. So if you've been following our WhatsApp status updates, the question of is God or can God be evil is predicated on that point. If there is such a thing called inherent morality or inherent evil that Hashem is, uh, works under, then it is possible for Hashem to be evil if he acts in an evil manner. If, however, you suggest there is no morality outside of Hashem, then there is no such thing as saying Hashem is evil or good. There is only what Hashem does. So we concluded last week's episode by asking numerous questions on the different theories of separating morality from Hashem's command. In other words, that you can have morality even without Hashem commanding it. So the first question we had was trying to live a life based on your intuition or your even your logical you know, processes coming out with what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do has always ended in disaster throughout history. Without Hashem telling us what to do, the actions that people have taken in order to try to create perfect societies have led to some of the most atrocious, uh, let's say, moral breaks in history. I'm using that word loosely. Then we asked that even from a religious perspective, we were saying, okay, I can't figure it out on my own, but Hashem's telling me where it's coming from. So if the reason we're doing the command is not because Hashem told us to do it, but because it is the, uh, whatever, it'll lead to the most pleasure, it'll lead to the best society, whatever way you want to form it, if it's not because Hashem told us to do it, then why is the desire to have a good society any better than my desire to have a personal good life, or even a personal pleasure in the moment. In other words, there's no reason to listen to the emotion of morality any more than any other emotion that I have. There's no should or shouldn't behind those actions. Because again, we want to define morality not as a means to an end, but as an objective should or shouldn't do on a particular action. You can tell me from today till tomorrow that this action will lead to a negative consequence for society. But you cannot then take the next step and ever tell me why I should care about society. Why is that moral or immoral for me to care or not care about society? It might factually be true it's going to be negative society, but why should I care? The last question we had was from a religious perspective, that if you hold that Hashem is giving you these commands because it leads to a perfect society. So the question is, what is the reason that I am following these commands? Am I following it because Hashem told me to do it? Or am I following it because it leads to perfect society and thank God we have a God who told us what will lead to the perfect society? We don't have to limit it to the perfect society. Again, we can also 
hold of this objective morality which exists outside of Hashem, such as we spoke about killing special needs um, kids as wrong, even though technically it would probably lead to a better society. So even in that sense of looking at morality, that there's just like, we can just feel what morality is, what the right and wrong is, um, there is no reason for us to follow it outside of the fact that it exists, meaning it's not because Hashem said so, it's because Hashem is bowing down to this idea of morality, which is outside of him. I just want to broaden it. It's not necessarily has to do with making a better society. It also had to, because again, you can say he shaped the world that these moral actions will end up in a society, but he did so because he wanted those moral actions to be done because there's this idea of morality outside of him. Right, okay, that's that's a good point. So it doesn't so much matter which theory you take on, the point is that the reason I'm doing it is not because Hashem told me to do it. It's because I want this goal, whatever it is, whether it's being led by innate morality, whether it's led by uh, consequentialism of the perfect society. It doesn't matter. That's not going to be the reason I'm doing it. It's not because Hashem told me to do it. So this becomes very important if we have, if we can find such a case, or even if it doesn't practically happen. But hypothetically, if we can have a case where Hashem tells me to do something, but he says, I'm telling you, this is, let's say, going to go against your innate morality, or it's not going to lead to the perfect society. Whatever theory you have on creating this morality outside of Hashem commanding, commanding you to do it, whatever your theory is, Hashem's telling you, what I'm telling you to do right now, I want you to do it, but it's going against whatever theory you have morality. So then conceivably, you would say that it's better, it's the moral thing to not listen to God. And that would be what you should do if morality is what you should and shouldn't do. So those are the, those are the questions we laid out at the end of last week's episode. So the real answer, we say the real answer, we mean the answer that Jewish thought flow holds up, but we also hold this to be representative of Tyra because of the questions we asked and because we hold that this is what the sources actually reflect. We don't hold that Hashem bows down to any system external to him, even something called morality. Now, the best place where I saw this idea reflected in Jewish writings was the Eish Kodesh. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Eish Kodesh, the Eish Kodesh's name was well, Eish Kodesh actually a safer that he wrote, but the Eish Kodesh's name was Kalinimus Kalman Shapiro, <laughs> which is not a spell, but no, a, no, 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 I'm sorry. but his actual name. Mati, have some respect. He's a big rabbi. Now, he was a rub of Piasesna Poland. <laughs> Mati, these are real names, real historical characters. Piasesna Poland, um, and he wrote the Eish Kodesh. He was murdered. By the Nazis, may Hashem avenge his blood. Um, so he wrote this sefer called the Eish Kodesh, which is Hasidic teachings on the Parsha, also on the Mayadim, on the Yom Tovim, on the holidays. And in that sefer Eish Kodesh, he says the following words of wisdom, and I quote: "Vehine, behold, Umas Eilam, the non-Jews, Gama Tayvin Shabem, even the good ones, Chayshvim Shemes who Dover Etzim LaAtzmai." They hold truth is a standalone, independent existence. Vashem tziva ala emes, nesha emes laatzmai emes. And Hashem decided to command truth because truth is true. <laughs> Sounds like a tautology. Lachain al mitzvah asichli is maidem, which is why you find that the non-Jews understand. The mitzvahs that make sense. And again, sichlius means they're intellectual, but in this context means it works out. It makes society better. Consequentialism. 
כיוון שחושרים בדייתם שהשם גם כי מטעם שאין אמס לעצמם ציו להם, because they think the reason why השם commanded them is because they're true. It makes so much sense why you can't murder. What a chachma that Hashem had to command that. Masha'in kain, that which is not the case by Yisrael. Aymrim, what does the Jews say? Ata elikim emes. You, God, are emes. There's no morality and Hashem. You are truth. Hu yisparach emes ve'ein emes zulase. He, meaning Hashem, is the definition of truth. There's no truth outside of him. V'chol emes shenim and anything true you find in this world, anything moral, anything consequentialist that you find in this world, hurak mibnei shekein tziva Hashem v'ratza. That's only because that's what Hashem commanded and wanted. V'kivin shuizparach emes l'chein gams emes. And because he is true, meaning he is the definer of reality, so too is this true. So the reason why you can't steal, v'asr ligzol, it's not because stealing leads to the deterioration of society. It's because Hashem, who is Emes, commanded it. Therefore, he continues, by the Akedah, it was true because Hashem said so. And if Hashem would have told him to go ahead and shecht Yitzchak, to go ahead and kill Yitzchak, that would have been true. And when he told him, don't do it, that's true. Why? Because it comes from the true Hashem. So we see here a completely opposite perspective from those Jewish thinkers that we saw before. While before we were suggesting that Hashem is doing things because it is moral, here the suggestion is the opposite. Hashem does it, and therefore it's moral. Therefore it's true. So how does this answer help us? What does it, what does it take care of? So let's look at some of the questions we had before. One of the questions we had was that your actions will always be in pursuit of the goal and not in service of Hashem. Because what you want is that perfect society, you want to follow that innate morality, you want whatever it is that proceeds and predates Hashem's command, and therefore it can't accurately be described as serving Hashem. From this perspective, obviously it's very clear that your service is completely of Hashem. I hold that this is true because Hashem said it's true. I'm doing, as the Ramam says, the MS Mipnei MS. I'm doing the truth because it is true, because it comes from Hashem, who is the ultimate source of truth. Right, meaning it's not that Hashem is reflective of this idea, truth, right? That's what he said at the beginning. Non-Jews hold, or a non-Jewish idea, I should say, a non-Tyre idea, is that truth stands alone. A Tyre idea is that truth is, by definition, whatever Hashem wants, whatever Hashem says, whatever is reflective of Hashem. Because Hashem is the truth you're trying to get at. So when Hashem commands something and you follow it, you're trying to get at Hashem. You're trying to follow Hashem, because that's where the truth is at. Another question we asked was that it requires morality and Hashem to be two different things such that Hashem has to conform to morality. Obviously, it is very simple to see how this answer takes care of that problem, because morality is stemming from Hashem. Hashem is defining morality. Whatever Hashem says to do is moral. Now, the last question is the hardest to understand how this takes care of it, and this was the biggest question you'll have on any form of morality that stems from anything but a God, but a creator of the universe. And that question is, to reiterate, why should you do anything? In other words, you can say that it'll create the best society. That's fine and dandy. Why should I do that? Why should I care? And let's say I do care. Still, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And if I don't do it, what are you going to say to me? You didn't create the best society. I don't care. Apparently, in my action, I didn't want to do it. Let's say it's some innate sense that it's wrong. It's an innate sense. I feel that it's wrong. Okay, well, why should I do and why should I not do what I feel is wrong and what I don't feel is wrong? I also feel it's pleasurable. Maybe I should do what I feel is pleasurable more than I feel is wrong. What do you feel is pleasurable? 
not this podcast, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so now the question becomes, okay, so we just defined morality by whatever Hashem says. Okay, how does that help me? So instead of consequentialism, instead of this innate morality, we're just using Hashem. So why should I listen to Hashem? So Hashem said it, fine. Why should I listen to Hashem? Bernard Williams, a recent philosopher, put it perhaps in a better way than I'm putting it. He asks as follows. Why should we follow God? If it's because that's moral, meaning it's moral to follow God, then morality comes first. Because again, if it's moral to follow God, then that must mean following God comes after this morality. Which means God can't be the source of it because I need it external to whatever God says. If it's because of nothing, then why is it moral? Meaning, if there is no morality to following God, then why is it moral in the first place? So either you're following God because that's moral, and then that would mean that there is a morality outside of God, or you're following God for no reason, and then again the question comes back, why should or should I not do that? Maybe to put it a little bit simpler, the question is why should we follow what Hashem says to do? So now there's two possible reasons for doing this. Either there's some sort of innate sense which is telling you it is right to follow Hashem's rule. In which case, once we are saying it's possible to have this innate sense of what you should and shouldn't do, then why do you need God to tell us what to do? Why can't I just say my innate sense is what's moral and what's not moral? And if you say that there's no innate sense to tell me to follow God, then the reason I'm following God is for no reason at all, or no moral reason at all. And why is that called morality? Right. Why is that should or shouldn't? Bernard Williams actually wrote the book called Morality, so I assume he's somewhat of an expert on this topic. So let's see how... You might say he wrote the book on morality. I I think I might have just said that. Um, (laughs) I don't think he made it as funny as I did. Okay. Uh, So how would you say that our answer deals with that? Oh, well, I'll say as follows. Picture recess on the playground. There you are. Mati, sitting alone, no friends. And you look across the playground, and there's Avi, surrounded by all the kids in the class. And Avi says, let's play a game. I'd like to play a game. Made up a game. The game has certain rules. Those rules are decided by the maker of the game. Nobody else can decide the rules to a game that I am making. I'm making up the game, and I'm making up the rules. Now, when you're playing in that game... If you're not following the rules, then you're not following the rules. You're objectively not playing the game the right way. Because I made the game, and I made the rules. Pick a game, right? Dodgeball. You gotta throw the ball, you can't cross the line. If it hits somebody and he drops it, he's out. Now let's say it hits him, he drops it, and he says, I'm not out. Okay, so then he's objectively abrogating the rules of dodgeball. He is not within the rules of dodgeball. Morality, should and shouldn't, is rules. You should do this to live life properly. You shouldn't do this to live life improperly. By definition. When we say God made the world, then he can make the rules of what is proper and improper in that world. So it doesn't make sense to ask, well, why should I do that? That's the definition. That's how you play the game. That's how you operate in the world. By definition, you're an abrogation of how the world should work. Why do you care about the game? I don't know why you should care about the game. But by definition, you're an abrogation. So back to that question that we always like. Can you look the Nazi in the eye and say he's evil? 
Say he's immoral. Yes. Because God who made the world made rules to that world. And the Nazi is in, by definition, abrogation of those rules. That's what makes him evil. That's what makes him on the shouldn't. Because God who created the world and defined reality and defined how what should be done and shouldn't be done within the world said that those things, murdering the Jewish people, is something that should not be done. Shocking. But now we come to an even bigger question, the Euthyphro Dilemma, first posed by Socrates, arguing against the idea that morality and Hashem, or morality must come from religion. The question he asks is as follows. If we say that what Hashem tells me to do is good, and Hashem is telling me to do it because it's good, then I don't need Hashem to tell me what to do because it's already good without Hashem telling me to do it. And if it's only good because Hashem said to do it, and Hashem could say that anything he wants is good, then good loses his meaning, because he can tell me to torture, and that would be good. He could tell me to do anything, and it would be good. So good just becomes, what did God tell me to do? And then good loses its meaning. So, so far, we never said that what Hashem tells you to do is good. We just said it's what you're supposed to do. So where does good and bad come into this picture of morality? So you're, I know you're probably thinking, well, that's a philosophical question. What does it have to do with Jews? You're right. Yeah, whatever Hashem says is good. I'll ask you this. Maishu Rabbeinu famously asks Hashem, why does Hashem do good things to bad people and bad things to good people? I don't understand. If everything Hashem does is moral, then what's Maisha's question? He doesn't do good things to bad people or bad things to good people. He does things to people which are by definition good because whatever Hashem does is good. I'll ask you another question. We say, everything Hashem does is good. Now clearly... When we say that, from the context, every time we say that, we mean that it will be good in a revealed way, eventually. Meaning, it'll work out. Yes, they might have died of cancer, but little did you know they had a bigger cancer that you wouldn't have found if they wouldn't have died from cancer. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, generally you have, you, you have different areas where, where sometimes it's hard to see the good, but good is always defined as something people can understand. Like, he got sick. But that caused him to win the lottery. Something like that. I, I'm really bad with the Shkach Pratis stories. But everybody knows these stories. The Muna. He missed his flight. Good. And that flight crashed into the World Trade Center. Right. So it always has to come down to a good we can understand. But what does that mean? Everything Hashem does is good. So where do we get this assumption that Hashem will be pleasurable? Let's use the term we've been using the entire time. Consequentialism. Where did we get that Hashem's actions will lead to better society? To better pleasure and benefit for all of humanity? When we say, praise Hashem because he's good, what does that mean? Are we just saying a useless sentence? Praise Hashem because whatever he does is whatever he does. Because up until now, we're saying whatever he does is not moral. So what's good and bad? Good and bad has always meant pleasure versus pain, which is why all the definitions of morality have centered around that. Once we remove it from that definition, then why do we have an assumption that Hashem is out here for our pleasure any more than he's out here for our pain? So here we come across such a fundamental idea in Judaism, and that is that Hashem likes to work within the experiential aspect of every human being. Yes, he could have asked us to torture our families, and yes, he could have asked us to kill our children, and yes, we would have had to have done that, or we should have done that, and if we wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing the right thing. But none of us would understand that. None of us would be able to relate to that. You see that sorry meaning when she heard that her son was going to get shechted, she passed away. We find that martyrs, even when they give up their life for Hashem, it's, they have to overcome that, that sadness, that natural sadness that they feel about having to die. The bad that we can feel 
is something we can relate to. And Hashem wanted what He told us we should and shouldn't do to match perfectly to our experiences of good and bad. Now, at first glance, it might not be so easy to discover it. Some things may appear bad, and some things may appear good. That's what Maishur Bain was asking. Why does it look like the bad people are getting the good, and the good people are getting the bad? But it is possible to understand. There is an answer to that question. We will understand why it was good or bad. But the reason why Maisha could ask that question is because Hashem wanted. Hashem told us he's taiv. Which means he's telling us, I'm not just giving you morality that you'll have no access to. I'm giving you a morality that you will be able to experience as better than immorality. Once he has told us that what he's going to tell us we should and shouldn't do will match some experiential sense, it opens up an avenue, it opens up the door for us to be able to use our own minds to figure out what is good and bad, and we'll see that Hashem's commands will match those things. The Midrashim bring down that Avram Avinu and all the others, even before the Torah was given, were able to figure out on their own what actions would be good and what actions would be bad from an experiential sense. Now, obviously, we don't all have that tool, which is why Hashem gave us a Torah, amongst other reasons, to help us along that path so that we gain access to what is going to end up in the best society and the most benefit. Now, what? once we're saying here that when you, if you are able to figure out what's good and bad, so what have we been saying this whole time? That you can't come up with what's good and what's bad without Hashem telling you what's good and what's bad. So there's a difference in should and shouldn't and good and bad. Even if I can tell you what is good, what is experientially good for me, what is experiential bad for me, there's no reason why I should do that or should not do the other thing. That is really the point and the main difference between what we're calling morality and good and bad. Right. Morality is should or shouldn't. Good and bad is experience good and experience bad. Now, again, you can use whatever terms you would like for that, but there is clearly that distinction. And the reason why we have this question on Hashem why are you doing wrong? Why are you doing bad? To quote the, the quote of Reb Lichtenstein, when Avram said to Hashem, will the judge not do justice? It doesn't mean that Hashem has to bow down to this idea of justice. It means that whatever Hashem does, he made sure it would work out in a just manner. Whatever he, so to speak, arbitrarily decide is right and wrong, he wanted to carry out to the human experience of justice. So Avram said, if that's true, then you must not do this because it's not going to match it. There must be something else going on. You really should try to match it. We see this throughout the writings of the Rishonim. So many of the Rishonim gave Tameh Mitzvahs, which are reasons for the mitzvahs. And all of these reasons fall under basically three categories, which were set up by the Rambam in Mar Nevuchim, which are either communal good, personal individual good, or removing bad ideas. Or instilling positive ideas. I guess there might be four. It depends how you break them up. But you see that all the mitzvahs, while the reason we do them is because Hashem told us to do them, and that's all, they also, Hashem promised, will have this experiential good aspect to them. So you'll often hear people ask questions such as, if you look at the Chumash, it seems like there's a lot of immoral things. It seems like an evil God. He's asking us to wipe out nations. So that question is legitimate halfway. Meaning, evil, God forbid. Anything Hashem does would be definition be moral. But will it match good and bad? That we have a promise that it will, and that's why it's a legitimate question when one reads a paragraph which seems that it'll end up bad for society. It seems like it's causing pain. One can rightfully ask, 
How is that going to cause pleasure? And he has to search for that answer. But it's a legitimate question only because Hashem decided his morality, whatever he says as being good, as being should or shouldn't do, will match the human perception of good and bad provided there is searching and figuring out why exactly it is good, why exactly it is bad, but the answer will always make sense on an experiential level of good and bad. So if someone asks you, why can't you have morality without religion? The basic answer is, because without a God telling you what to do, there is no reason why you should or should not follow whatever sense or whatever form of creation of morality you want to use. There's no reason why you should or should not do that. If somebody went ahead and, and answered back to you, well, if you're only getting your sense of what's right and wrong from what Hashem tells you to do, then doesn't right and wrong and good and bad lose its meaning? Not exactly. What I'm getting from Hashem is what I should and should not do. That is giving me the impetus to do my actions and to not do other actions. But in terms of good and bad, that definitely does come from an experience. Most of us are able to sense what is good and bad. Now, the challenge is to separate actual good and bad from uh, from social norms and what society is telling you is good and bad. And this we emphasize in, in the slavery podcast, where many people nowadays would just immediately say slavery is bad. Why? Because uh, owning somebody is bad or because just, you know, slavery is bad because that's what society is telling them. That is never the correct approach to create experiential good and bad. Right. I mean, we have to look at Tara and trust Hashem that that morality that Hashem is telling us will match the experience and we just have to search for it. Another point understanding this brings out is that a lot of people, especially, um, you know, younger people who are struggling with their faith, they will understand why it's wrong, let's say, to break Shabbos. But something else, such as, let's say, uh, inappropriate contact between boys and girls, they won't understand why that's evil. Why is that evil? Right? So they'll understand, yeah, killing somebody's evil, but breaking Shomer Nagia, breaking the contact between boys and girls, why is that evil? Sorry, Shabbos also, they can ask that question. Just most people are conditioned to keep Shabbos, but you can ask the same question. Why is somebody who breaks Shabbos immoral? That's not immoral. That's why they don't understand. How can you kill somebody who breaks Shabbos in the Torah? Why do they say to kill him? That's not immoral to break Shabbos. No, no, you have to understand. Killing somebody is not immoral any more than breaking Shabbos is. The reason why we think so is because killing somebody is more expressively fitting into the experientially bad category. We don't feel why Shabbos is bad, but the source is the same. The same Hashem who told you don't kill, and arbitrarily, so to speak, told you don't kill, is the same Hashem who arbitrarily told you to keep Shabbos, and is the same Hashem who arbitrarily told you to not have inappropriate contact between a boy and a girl. Now, granted, there are different levels of Avery and Hashem's will, but ultimately, they're all sourced in that. Are you breaking Hashem's will, or are you keeping Hashem's will? And that's what makes you a moral human being, or an immoral human being. That concludes our topic of religion versus morality. Actually, we have the fourth part of our trilogy coming up next with uh, Leib Gershon, who's going to be talking about some of the pitfalls of coming up with your own morality without using a God-given religion to create a society that's going to be coming up next Sunday. Okay, guys, you can really help us out by sharing to your friends. If you enjoy it, your friend will enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, your friend will enjoy it. Please share it. Please have them listen. This has been another fantastic discussion on Jewish Thought Flow. I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mati Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow.